Purpose is defined as doing what you love for free, but you can get paid for it. So have you ever sat down and thought about how you became the expert at what you do? Have you ever thought about what seeds were planted in your past that led up to you becoming the person and or business owner that you are today? Well, I've had enough time to reflect on my mental health career and my business, and I want to share with you today how I became the number one therapist business coach. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Hey, welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast, where therapists deserve abundance. This is your host, Dr. TK, clinical psychologist and number one therapist business coach. And so in today's episode, I want to take you all the way back, deep, deep in my history, so that I can share with you how I became the number one therapist business coach, hashtag alignment. So I want to take you back to 1980. And the reason why I want to take you all the way back to the 80s is that that's when your girl was born. So what I've realized before jumping into the details of this episode is that I realized after doing a few therapist events, we actually just got back from uh, throwing the New York event, which was also a continuing educational workshop for therapists for a one day event. And then we also have had uh, my company and my team and I, we have also had events in Las Vegas, whether it be for our mastermind students and or a sneak peek into the mastermind with a two to three day VIP experience. But what I'm getting to is that I shared something super, super, I'm going to say intimate and important to help therapists understand that there is a journey that each and every one of them and you has been through that has led you to become the person that you are today. And I'm not just talking about what we do with our therapy clients, but I really am talking about seeds being planted from how you became a therapist, getting licensed to potentially going into a nine to five job to some of you going into building profitable businesses. So after sharing this story uh, journey with the therapists that came to various events, I realized that this information technically needs to be shared with the world. So I'm going to take you back to 1980, okay? So I believed over time, even from the time that I was born, from the time that even you were born, that seeds are planted in our lives to help us get to the place that we are today and also to mold us into the person that we are today. So when I usually tell clinicians, my clients to think back what seeds have been planted, most people would look at their graduate degree when trying to review their path. But I'm here to tell you that it's so much more than that. Since I've planted seeds or had seeds planted in front of me, um, since I've been on planet Earth, I actually have realized that the path that my higher power, God has ordained over my life has come to fruition. And I also believe that I'm not done. So in 1980, a little girl 
Takesha Marie Jackson was born. And for some of you, you may not know a little bit about my history because most of you may hear that I'm from Compton, but I was actually born in Portland, Oregon. So shortly after living in Oregon for about two years, me and my mom, we moved to California, or I'm going to say my mom moved back to Compton, California with my maternal grandparents. Okay. So between the ages of about 1982 until 1998, I attended K through 12 school in the Compton Unified School District. As a child, I did participate in a lot of various activities and I earned the privilege of titles such as treasurer in my church choir, um, captain of the cheerleading squad in high school, and also in Pop Warner. When I was in high school, I earned the title of captain of the basketball team, also got MVP as a player. And then I was also declared the president, meaning they voted. I was the president of my high school. And so what I want you to do as I share my journey is I want you to start taking notes of anything that I say if it you know triggers a aha moment for you. Because I would hope that by the end of this episode, you decide to sit down and really ask yourself, how did I become the expert in the field that I'm in now? So what I've realized from all of these titles and multiple activities and privileges is that I had a love for structure and leadership at a very, very young age. So then, of course, after K through 12, you know, I went to college at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Truth be told, I'm going to say I went to four colleges because I declared that I still would complete high school. I mean, not high school. I would complete college in the four year time frame, because as we know, if you don't structure it out and you keep taking those 12 units, you will never graduate in four years. And so After going to college, I chose, you know, during college not to play sports or join student government because honestly, I was having a good time. I was living, I was partying a lot, but still managed to get for some years, okay grades. And then my last two years, very good grades, like 3.5 to 3.0 GPA. So as a student, I definitely thrived as a student. I liked to ask questions, especially when it came down to my major, because psychology was always intriguing to me. It did not initially come easy. It really felt like a philosophical class. And so therefore, I got to know my professors well. I would be that student that would actually utilize office hours. And as a professor myself in current day, I know that there's a very small percentage of students that typically go to the professor's office, and I'm going to say a large portion of them go because they received a notice that they're not doing well in class. I can count on one hand how many psychology students or potential psychology major students have asked me to come to my office so that they can ask me questions about the career itself, okay? So I was very eager, I should say. So after undergrad, I decided to earn my master's degree. I went to the same school, Cal State Dominguez Hills, and I earned my master's after two years in clinical psychology. Now, I was very, very lucky, I would say, to find my very first mentor in graduate school that really helped me understand the importance of earning a doctorate degree in clinical psychology based on what she saw with my performance in my master's program, my eagerness. And then I also decided to take an elective course 
for teaching. And I don't know how many schools actually have a course that teaches you how to become a professor. And then you have to go and make a guest lecture. So I was really also um, having seeds being planted in terms of being in front of a classroom, being in front of a group of people that I didn't know, creating structure so that I can prepare a PowerPoint slide presentation and also have to give the students and activity because this was part of our grade. I also had to be taught how to give students feedback. What do you do when students ask you a question that you actually don't know the answer to? We were taught all of that within a 15 week semester. So again, those were more seeds being planted. So after my master's degree, I was accepted into Argosy University, which is like a professional psychology school. I moved to Northern California, which is about a six hour drive from where I was in Southern California to pursue my doctorate degree. Now, during that time, again, here are more seeds being planted, more so with me taking advantage of being around the right circle of people and also having a goal that's driven of leadership. So I was privileged to earn the titles of president of my school. That was my uh, title at the end of the three years because the fourth year was full-time internship. But I also held other offices like secretary and treasurer during the first two years of my graduate school program. I was also very active as a participant in the community when I lived up in the Bay uh, during my practicum sites, also known as pre-graduate internships. I would assist the sites with brainstorming for ideas, developing programs, and really creating programs that specifically served black and brown children within the school district. Now, during my last year of graduate school, I was expected to, me, you know, have a great internship through the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. And I am really fortunate to have that experience because I was able technically to do like three different rotations. My main rotation was at what's called the Women's Integration Center. I don't know if it's still up, but we served women who came out of prison or may have been homeless or were previously exploited youth, but now they're adults. And unfortunately, they found their way back to the streets, maybe incarcerated, et cetera. You know, and then another part of my rotation for six months was working with a program that served black moms. So here I am going into the community, learning how to do a little bit of case management, learning how to link people with services and also host meetings with these women and the case managers through this particular program so that we can make sure that the needs of the clients are being taken care of. So here we go with linkage to community resources, right? And then my other rotation was actually the same rotation in terms of the agency, but they saw my love for working with families and teenagers and specifically difficult teens so they put me in an after-school program or they placed me in an after-school program where I was then able to create workshops for these kids just because I saw the need. So I hope that what you're also recognizing is that I am a fast action taker. Anyone who knows me knows that when I have an idea, I act up on it and I finish it. And it may not even be, for example, a stream of income that I'm still doing, but at least I can say that I tried it, it didn't work or did not work because I didn't have the capacity. But how that shows up current day as me being a business coach is that my clients can't tell me that they want to work on something. And then when they don't perform, they don't expect me to say something. Like I'm going to say something. I am very much a straight shooter. 
Okay. So after going to these sites and helping them also flush out and or build programs from scratch during my last year of graduate school outside of the internship, I had to, of course, collect my postdoc hours after graduation. Okay. So let me speed you up uh, because this is probably the It's considered as a downside of my story, but it's also a teachable moment in which way I've made it part of my narrative, my story that really helped me break through and become resilient based off some things that were happening in my personal life as well as our global economy. So I graduated my doctoral program in 2009. Of course, during graduation, you want to be excited. You want to be able to look forward to the next chapter in your life. However, I could not find a job because we had ran into what's considered the housing market crash. And so what does that really mean? Because before the crash, let me just give you a snapshot of how I was living in my last year of internship in comparison to post-graduation, which is also how things can change really quickly if you're depending on a system or a company or agency to pay you versus going out and making your own money, okay? So I felt like I was living the dream during my last year of school because our last year is full-time internship. Um, and that's when I was placed in the county. And so I will, I wasn't fully licensed yet. However, I was living in a very prestige black neighborhood in LA. I had a luxury car. I had a, uh, like a Lexus RX truck. I had money saved in the bank. I started to travel a little bit. I really was enjoying life and finally starting to get a preview of what I knew that my life would be like on a smaller magnitude in the moment. So during the internship, I didn't realize my potential, but again, I was helping like them develop programs, right? And so I just felt like everything was in its place. And if I was able to do all these things as a practicum student and intern, what was possible once I actually got licensed? I don't even think that I could fathom how big that that vision was, right? So as I reflect back on the time, what ended up happening is when the market crashed in 2009, I want you to imagine what life would be like if you couldn't find a job. I mean, it got to the point where someone had told me, hey, you may want to take your doctor degree off of your resume because right now people are hiring master's level clinicians and or social workers because they assume that because I have a doctorate degree that they automatically have to pay me like six figures or $80,000 back then. And I'm going to be honest, like I just wanted my hours and just give me enough money to live. Okay. So after I reflected back on that time, like for this podcast episode, I honestly didn't realize how big of a deal my accomplishments that I had had thus far really was. I just thought that I was doing kind of like a checklist of the things that I'm supposed to do to graduate, get my licensure hours. And then I would like live later, but getting a sneak peek of it now. Uh, I was technically operating as a contractor with a lot of these agencies. If you look at what I was giving them, but I wasn't getting paid for it, nor was I getting paid for program development. I also did not understand the value of collecting testimonials or requesting feedback forms from the agencies, from the participants, from the kids that I served and developing all of these programs. I was literally sitting on a gold mine and I didn't recognize it until later, which I'm getting to in a moment, when I hired a coach to help take me through my journey because everyone has a story to tell. And I do believe that I am a walking testimony of what I teach to my clients current day. 
So granted, if I wanted to pick up the phone or email someone that I worked for and or provided them with, you know, program development right now and get a letter of recommendation or a letter of reference or testimonial, I'm sure that they would be more than happy because we connect with one another on Facebook and, you know, they comment on a lot of my pictures saying how proud they are of me when they see me doing the work that I'm ordained to do. And so during that time, again, going through this process, I didn't realize how good I had it. And then in 2009, when that good and bad thing happened, graduation, then me not being able to find a job and secure employment happened, I really needed to sit still. And so if you are taking notes or if you want to just you know mark this spot and come back and listen to this particular section later, I would highly encourage you to do so because sometimes what has to happen when you think you're hitting rock bottom You may need to sit down and get quiet and ask yourself and or ask your higher power or this universe, what needs to be your next move? And so I realized that when I looked at the logistics, I want you to like imagine this. So like think about it this way. Okay. How would you feel if you no longer had medical insurance covered by your internship? What if you weren't able with financial hardship, you weren't able to pay for COBRA insurance, which is typically like two to $300 more, if not double. How would you feel if you had no income, no money coming in because the jobs didn't want to hire you because they assumed, as I mentioned, that they would have to pay you a lot higher because only of your degree, which meant that they didn't even call you for an interview. How would you feel if you didn't have any more money stacked in the bank because you paid out your rent for maybe the next two to three months and paid for living expenses and maybe paid one month of COBRA and now your savings account is depleted, the market has crashed, and you also cannot pay your rent money. So I'm going to be honest. I was searching for someone to pay me something for a job just for me to live and for me to collect my hours. I was renting a nice home in a very nice community But it hurt. I had to shove my ego to the side again because I needed to tell the owner that we had a very good relationship with that I wouldn't be able to live here anymore because, and I explained to him the situation. And as you could imagine, for a um, homeowner to have tenants, this is also probably not a good time to try to find more tenants that can pay that amount because it it, it wasn't a cheap amount of rent Even back then, it was like $2,000 for a two-bedroom, one-bath home with a nice backyard, but we were really paying for the neighborhood. So how would you feel if all of those things have happened to you? And then more importantly, what do you do? So fast forward, you may be wondering, well, what happened? Because that happened, but here you are. So after two months paying my rent as well, um, after me realizing that money will not appear or be dropped on my doorstep and that I was not licensed, so I can't just get up and start my own private practice, I chose to take a leap of faith and I called a old site back that I pretty much build programs for after school for kids and help them carve out certain mental health programs in Northern California. I called them back. And when I emailed them first, and then the lady said, you know, can you talk on the phone today? I was like, oh, wow, this is fast, you know? Um, She said, hey, like I was about to put this position on Craigslist today. But when I received your email, I paused because I wanted to talk to you first. So she basically told me how would I like to come up there, go back to the high school that I left, that I pretty much built some of these programs to begin with. They came into more grant money, about $60,000. They would be have available for me to get paid 
and pretty much developed this program from uh, scratch the way that I wanted based off of the deliverables that they have to, you know, meet for the grant. So I was like, gosh, when you declare what you want and sit down and get still, things happen fairly quickly. So I talked to the person that I was with at the time because I was married before and they said, fine, you know, and so I moved up north within three weeks. Okay. And I want you to also see that sometimes when you take a detour from maybe what was on your vision board, you end up exactly where you were supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Okay. So when she offered me that position to me, it was a no brainer because I also needed my postdoc hours and we negotiated for that agency to, uh, let me see, sorry about that. When I accept the position, the psychologist supervisor, because the person who called me had an LCSW and she will be my main supervisor because it's still a job. But I asked if my old practicum supervisor, which was a licensed psychologist could agree to have me register as a psychologist to that site because it is a nonprofit and that she meet with me in according to the rules for postdoc. And then of course I would still go to group supervision and things like that. And so they agreed to all of that. And then I moved up there within three weeks. And so within 10 months, I built that program. Now, let me just share something too, because again, write the vision down and make it plain and be very clear about what you want. I had declared to myself that I would not continue to move back and forth. I was already in Compton, moved up to Northern California for my grad school program, moved back down for my internship for a year, market crashed, chose to move back up there. And I told myself, I am not going to move back to LA unless I am accepted back to LA County as a clinical psychologist, licensed or unlicensed, because I also wanted to purchase my first home and I wanted to have stable income. Remember, I didn't have business coaching. I didn't have personal development beyond like church. And so I really didn't understand the the steps to open up a business. That's not even where my mind was at that time because the market crashed. I was just trying to get somewhere stable. So (laughs) be careful what you ask for. 10 months later of me being up north, I manifested the position that I wanted at the county. And not only did I manifest it as a clinical psychologist, I also was working with the kids that I love to work with, which is how I landed in the juvenile facilities. So I started off at the camps, then I moved into the halls, and then I eventually went into the field. And I worked in those facilities for about four and a half years. So my supervisors um, at the sites really allowed me for the most part to create my own flexibility. So that's when I started to recognize like, oh, wait, I don't have to, you know, structure my day the way that I assumed it needed to be structured while we're having a nine to five. As long as I meet my billable hours and, you know, operate with an integrity of my, my position, I was good. And so because I was really quick with paperwork, what did I do in my spare time? Because I'm still working. I go in the county and I develop new programs for youth in the juvenile facilities. I worked collaboratively with probation, with the school staff, um, creating systems so that they can also understand the kids on a psychological level. I was able to navigate through certain level meetings so that the kids, the people who get the kids when they come home in the community and in their home were all on the same page. And I was over that department in the camp that I was in. And so I had a lot of leadership positions, even in my nine to five job. And just to take you behind the scenes a little bit more, I was also teaching at three institutions since I was 25 years old, from undergrad, two-year universities, all the way up to being someone's doctoral uh, dissertation chair, okay? Teaching in the master's and the doctoral level. And so 
over time, me even working at these schools, again, talking about seeds that are planted, y'all, is that I was called to the dean's office multiple times, not because I was in trouble, but more so was because they were receiving so much good feedback on paper that I didn't realize until later when they gave me all the reports is that they wanted me to provide them with insight as to what would make the students experience more pleasurable in the classroom. And what one of the deans told me is that um, one of them wanted me to be the cultural diversity head, like in terms of what should be delivered in the classroom, because they loved how I brought in cultural diversity, which everyone should do this as a teacher, into every single class cohort and such. But they also enjoyed the positive feedback from the students as it related to me integrating academic knowledge with what actually happens after graduate school. What is your career going to look like? I would honestly have my students make a vision board as part of like, um, not an extra credit assignment, but just more if they want to work on personal development so that when they're learning the materials in class, they can see that this is another seed that is planted for them to get closer to the person on that vision board. So here we are, 2021. I've ran down in a long but summary journey that I've been through and that I'm happy that I went through, even if some you know seasons were more difficult than others. There were some personal things that happened as well that I won't get into, but that I spoke to them in previous podcast episodes. But looking back at my journey and how I talked about this in a different way though, at live events, I've come so far. So you may be wondering, why is she sharing all of this with me, especially if you haven't resonated with any parts of the story? Well, I wanted to share with you, one, how I was at one point only focused on my educational career and my nine to five lifestyle. And one thing I've also recognized is that my life started to change when I had a bigger vision for myself. Now, what helped me get to that level is having someone outside of me pour into me, such as a business coach. My first business coach was a person who helped you speak and write books. The other coach that I had was focused on manifestation. Then the other coaches that I've had have been a mixture of based on what I want to learn in my business, whether it be webinars, online courses, being a digital CEO, hiring a team and things like that. So why are all of these points in my journey important to you as the podcast listener? I want you to listen really closely to my mission because if you don't have a mission, you may have missed the whole part of the story. My mission has been planted as seeds throughout my entire life. I just didn't know it until I sat down and got still. So because I declared my mission now in my company that no therapist will pretty much be left behind, a lot of that has come from experience experiences that I have experienced myself and or my students have in my college programs, also people that I've supervised. I've heard way too many things in that it would not be in service to me if I know that my higher power has given me the gift to teach, to make relationships with people, to like to throw and host parties in live events. I cannot, I would actually be disrespectful if I threw away that gift, okay? So I wanted to share this with you because I know that a lot of therapists are still not understanding why they need help in their business. And I wasn't exposed to this business world until 2016. 
So again, because I declared my mission that no therapist will be left behind and those therapists that cross my path, I really don't want them to take as long as I did. I decided that I'm going to start to work on this gift that was embedded in me. So I decided to take all of these gifts that I share with you thus far in terms of program development, leadership, being a teacher, um, of course, having my clinical knowledge. I wanted to take all of these gifts and really create my own college, my own university, my own business programs for mental health therapists across the globe. And another part of my mission is also to equip mental health therapists like yourself to specifically serve your ideal clientele and their customers, fill your caseload in your private practice and add streams of income over time if you choose, while also serving the people that you love to serve, not that you were assigned to serve. And to me, that is so much bigger in terms of impact than I can do all by myself. Because I could be stingy and say, oh, I'm going to keep all these nuggets to myself and just have me 20 clients. But why would I have 20 when I can equip thousands of therapists to have 20 on their own, if not less, because they're going to have streams of income, right? So my desire was to make a global impact. And I know, not I think, but I know I am doing just that. So let me ask you, what's your purpose? Take out a sheet of paper, write down your timeline. What seeds have been planted that have even molded you into the person that you are today, specifically in the mental health field? Do you think that your process, your journey should have taken as long as it's taken? Or did you purposely detour because maybe you received a download, you were told or shown the path that you're supposed to go down and you refuse to listen to your higher power? your meditation, or an intuitive nudge to go a different route? Could you have received help in your business or your future business beyond just diagnosing clients and writing progress notes? Do you still need help in your business? Even if you have a private practice, check this out. It doesn't mean that you have a business. A business, a true business, not a side hustle. A true business generates profit after the owner pays him or herself along with their team. A business learns a skill set to leverage their time, a business owner. They learn skill sets to leverage their time, to utilize resources, but not too many, and to learn from the best, aka coaches or mentors, so that they can earn more while working less. So is your true purpose to be known as a therapist or as a therapist with a expertise area, right? Remember the general public, they don't like to pay premium dollar for just general services or products. Think about it. They will pay a therapist $200 because you're showing up as the expert. You're also showing up as the expert beyond a consultation, AKA your brand. What does your website look like? Is it clear? Do you state your ideal client on all platforms? What does your brand look like on social media? How do you show up as the best version of yourself every single day? So I hope that after tuning into this podcast episode and, you know, hopefully enjoying how I've shared my journey with you in terms of seeds being planted so that I know now I'm on the right path and that I don't ever regret any life experience that I've had. I don't even use the word mistake when I'm looking at my past anymore. I look at it as more of life experiences because I am a firm believer that if I would not have had any of those experience on a personal or business side. 
mess ups and money loss, that I would not be the business owner that I am today. So again, how do you show up as the best version of yourself? And have you realized how important it is in understanding your purpose that should be truly aligned with your daily intentions to the outcome that you want? And so in summary, you should write down and have a vision board of the person you want to become, also known as our higher self. And then you should be operating with an intention of becoming that person every single day, striving for 1% better every day. So I'm not done, all right? This was just a journey, reflection, something for you to think about and hopefully take action on. But in the next episode, I will break down why and how I specifically developed the Dope Therapist Academy, my signature private practice program for mental health therapists. So make sure that you tune in, share this podcast episode with other therapists or maybe future therapists that you know. It's never too early to start learning about what we do in the field beyond a nine to five job. And also make sure that you follow the podcast so that you can be notified of the next episode. If you want to check out the show notes, we have a freebie library. We also have the Dope Therapist Academy waitlist where you will be notified when we have a online virtual party and or boot camp to open up the doors to the Dope Therapist Academy in the future. Okay. So I will see you in the next episode. And until then, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle.